0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Good morning, good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How are you guys feeling today? You guys ready? We are in 2 Samuel 2. 2 Samuel 2, okay, we're moving on, all right? We know that King Saul is dead, and um, we're going to figure out what's going to happen to Israel moving forward. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump right into it. Father, we love you. We thank you. We continue to thank you for your word, Lord God. We continue to thank you for stories stories of, of, of people like David and people like Saul, Lord God, that we can use as an example for our own lives and how we should focus our lives on you, Lord God, and not on our our own selfish ambitions, Father Lord. So be with us during this time, Lord. Just speak to us. uh, Reveal new things to us, Father, even as I speak, Lord God. I pray for everyone that's within the earshot of this this message, Lord God, that you would be revealing different things, new things to them, Lord. Um, We just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Second Samuel 2, and I am reading from the New King James Version. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household, so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness, because you have done this thing. Now, therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took ish the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, and he made him king over Gilead, over the Ashurites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. ish Saul's son, was forty years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. At the time of David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Verse 12 Now Abner the son of Nur and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanim to Gibeon. And Joab the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. So they sat down one on one side of the pool and, and the other on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. So they arose and went over by number 12 from Benjamin, followers of ish the son of Saul, and twelve from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side, so they fell down together. Therefore that place was called the Field of Sharp Swords, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Now the three sons of Zeruai were there, Joab and Abishai and Asahel. And Asahel was as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle. So Asahel pursued Abner, and in going, he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. And Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Asahel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner said again to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear so that the spear came out of his back, and he fell down there and died on the spot. So it was that as many as came to the place where Asahel fell down and died stood still. Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner, and the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Ammah, which is before Gea, by the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of the hill. And Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be then until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight any more. Then Abner and his men went on all that night through the plain, crossed over the Jordan, and went through all Bithron, and they came to Mahanaim. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing of David's servants 19 men and Asahel. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men 360 men who died. Then they took up Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at daybreak. Amen. All right. A whole lot happening here um, <clears throat> in this portion of Scripture. And one of the things I love about this, then, the very first verse, it says, David inquired of the Lord. And if you guys have been really, really paying attention, <clears throat> anytime David inquired of the Lord, good things happened. David inquired of the Lord, there came a blessing. David inquired of the Lord, you know, good, good, good. But when David made decisions on his own behalf, with his own mind, he often made mistakes. You know, he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing. He went to places he shouldn't have been going. But it says, David inquired of the Lord in verse one. And this was a key, a key to the success in David's life he constantly inquired of the Lord and David wanted more than than just God's blessing on his life right he wanted to be right in the middle of God's plan He wanted more than just his plans to come to to, to pass. He wanted to be within God's plan, and that is something that we all need to strive for. This is one of the reasons why David was called a man after God's own heart. He wanted to be obedient to the Lord. He wanted to follow the Lord. You know, wherever the Lord pointed, that's the direction he wanted to go. So he asked of God, shall I go to any of the cities? In Judah, and so at this time he was still in Ziklag. We read about Ziklag a, a couple of chapters ago, and towards the end of First uh, Samuel, and, and this is in the territory of the Philistines. And, and and out of out of great discouragement and great despair, he had left Israel and lived among the Philistines for a while. All right, a decision that he made on on his his own strength, under his own power. He didn't inquire of the Lord, so he found him over there, and now he wondered if it was time for him to go back to his homeland. And this isn't as as simple as a, of a question as we might think, you know, because David didn't want to seem too opportunistic, you know, as if as if he was only now coming back to Israel because Saul was dead, you know. Like, okay, I'm annoyed. I'm supposed to be the king. I'm I'm fleeing from Saul. Okay, now Saul's dead. Okay, now now I can do this. Okay, now it's safe for me. No. But he inquired of the Lord. And but and and while while not being overly concerned with with the of, of uh with appearances before men, he was not unconcerned with appearances either. You know, so the Lord said to him to go. God was faithful to answer David when he inquired of him. He was faithful to David when he asked the question, you know, what should I do? Should I go? And the Lord the Lord spoke and gave him guidance. 20 years before this, in 1 Samuel 16, David was anointed to be king. And, and now the promise seemed to be almost fulfilled. But David didn't want to rush in blindly. Because he very well could have been like, oh, Saul's dead. All right, let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's go get my crown. But he didn't want to just rush in there. Instead, he carefully sought the Lord. David knew this promise was from God, so he knew that God could fulfill it without any manipulation from him. David didn't have to do anything extra for this promise of God to come to fruition. All he had to do was be obedient. And hey, all he had to do was be patient. How hard is it for us to be patient, to be obedient before God? How many times have we felt that the Lord gave us a word or someone spoke a prophetic word over your life? And so you're like, wow, that's supposed to come, come the past. You know, the Lord's giving you dreams and vision. And so you know the calling on your life, right? Some of you may, some some of you on here may be called to be in ministry. You may be called to be a pastor, right? And you know this is supposed to happen, right? But what are you doing to, to pursue this, right? Are you doing the practical things like getting an education and whatnot, you know? And then are you waiting on the Lord to move? Or are you trying to move the chess pieces where you think they need to go in the direction of your life? Are you trying to manipulate the situations, the circumstances in order to get God's blessing? Because that's not how God works, right? We have to wait. We have to wait and allow God to be God. Allow God to move when He is ready. Not when we're ready, because listen, we're always ready, right? We're like, God, God, go, go. Come on, God, I'm waiting. God, I'm waiting for your blessing. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for the for this to come to pass, that to come to pass. And God's like, chill. I got this. Like, let me handle this. David could have been very much like, yes, Saul's dead. It's my time to shine. But no, he was like, I'm still going to wait and inquire of the Lord. And so he returns He goes to to Hebron and, and he's anointed king in verse four, you know, and David did not seize the throne. This is important. It says that David was anointed king over Judah, right? Judah's the tribe that he was a part of, right? And he did not go and claim a throne, seize a throne. It says the elders of Judah approached him. David knew that it was better to let God lift him up through others than it was to, to strive to advance for himself. It was better for God to allow others to lift him up than for him to go and try to make his own platform. We should strive to advance God's kingdom and leave the advancement of self in God's hands. Our whole purpose our whole focus needs to just be, how can we pursue the kingdom of God? How can we advance the kingdom of God? How am I serving in the kingdom of God? How am I, you know, what am I doing in the church to serve, right? And then when, if and when God is ready for that, for, for, for you to advance, he will advance you. He will have the right people in place at the right time to do the right thing. But we cannot push it. Because every t- time we try to push it, and we're pushing our own agenda, we will fail. We will fall. This also shows that there was a sense in in which the f- uh, the first anointing wasn't quite enough. We need listen. We need a fresh anointing from God and an ongoing anointing from God. David was anointed to be king twenty years ago, right? And now that and now that he was about to be king. Then Judah comes and they anoint him again. Okay. That first anointing wasn't enough. He needed to be anointed again. Right, the first anointing you ever received, the first experience of the Holy Spirit you ever had was great for that time. But we need to be constantly pursuing the Holy Spirit to get that fresh anointing, that fresh word, that fresh manna, that fresh oil to come over our lives. Right? So we have fresh, new wisdom, new discernment, new guidance from God. Okay. If you're if you're if you receive the blessing from the Lord. And too often we see this, too, too often we see this, that people are blessed by God, right? They received a healing. They received a job. They received reconciliation in their marriage. They received anything, whatever it is, right? And you see them come to church and they got their chest puffed out. They're so happy. They're excited. And we're excited for them. You know, we celebrate for them, right? But they're so content to remain in that initial blessing this is key. They're so they're they're so content. They refuse to pursue fresh anointing, fresh word. Okay, God, you healed me. What am I supposed to do with this? Okay, God, you reconciled my marriage. What am I supposed to do with this? But they stay right where they're at. And as soon as the trials and tribulations come, they fall flat on their face and they completely forget what God did for them. They completely forget. David very well could have been walking around for 20 years saying, I'm going to be the king and not pursue God because he was anointed king. God said you're going to be the next king. And he could have been like, well, God's not going to lie. I'm going to be the king. You know, So I'm going to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it with whoever I want to do it with and not care. But that was not David. David inquired of the Lord, brothers and sisters, are you... Daily inquiring of the Lord. Are you daily seeking God? Are you are you daily seeking guidance and wisdom from him? You know, it says in verse 7, let your, your hands be strengthened and be valiant. David knew that he needed brave men like these men to secure and advance the kingdom, especially in the turmoil that was going to ha- happen soon. Verse 8 talks about Abner, the son of Ner. Uh, Abner was Saul's cousin. And he was the commander of Saul's armies for, for many years. And he had he had met David um, when David was a young man in 1 Samuel 17. And even David had even challenged Abner when David had the opportunity to, to kill Saul and did it. And he pointed out to Abner that, that he had failed to protect his king. And then we're going to we read about ish the son of Saul. Saul had three sons who had died with him in battle in 1 Samuel 31 and, and there's really no previous mention of this particular guy in the in the scriptures and so it's possible he was an illegitimate son or 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 he was the son of a concubine we're not really sure um how he was a son but but we also should forget that David was considered a son of Saul through marriage when David married Saul's daughter Michal in 1 Samuel 18 so even David was considered a son of Saul so However, however he fits within the family tree, my man was a son of Saul and he was made king. Abner, Saul's cousin, the commander of Saul's armies, made ish the son of Saul, king, right? And he really probably only did it so that he could be the real power behind a very weak king. And ish he reigned for two years. And for two years, David allowed him to reign over most of Israel. And these, these two years showed remarkable patience, remar- remarkable long-suffering and trust in God on David's part. And because ish was not anointed king as Saul was and as David was. He wasn't supposed to be king. And David seemed to have every right to crush this man who stood in the way of his calling. Yet out of trust in the Lord and respect for Saul's memory, David waited. David waited. And it seems strange that many of the tribes would trust Ishbosheth over David. You know, since the Philistines had overrun many of the other tribes of Israel, they they were even more hesitant to come out and support for David. In the same way, if we come out in support for the son of David, we come out in support for Jesus before our friends and before our, our family. We have to be ready for the disapproval of the Philistines around us. We have to be, be, be anticipate the disapproval of the non-believers around us. Okay. This is a picture of what happens today. Okay. You can either trust Jesus, put your faith in Jesus. Just as Israel could have put their faith in David at this point, right? But if they put their faith in David, then they were going to come against the the Philistines who hated David. Non-believers through their actions hate Jesus. They may never say the words, they may never have any any knowledge of who Jesus is, but through their actions, they hate Jesus. And when you come out on a stand for Jesus Christ and say, he is my king, he is my savior, he is my Lord, I love him, you will have um, adversity come against you and you have to be expectant of it. Do not be naive to think that all of a sudden, because you're a Christ follower, everything's going to be sunshine and roses. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that was true. That's not going to happen. Right? You're probably going to have more hard times than good times. All right? Let's be real. However, there is such a blessing and such a victory that can come. We don't care about what anybody else thinks, right? We don't care about adversity. We don't care if people come against us. We don't care if people talk trash about us, right? I'm more concerned about the opinion of my Father in heaven than I'm concerned about the opinion of anybody else. Because quite frankly, no one else really matters in my life. Amen? right? But how? what Jesus, how he looks to me, if I'm being obedient to him, that is what's so important. Verse 11 says, uh, seven years and six months, and this describes a period of time when David had his headquarters in Hebron. And David refused to force his reign on his subjects, right? And neither will the son of David, Jesus, force his reign on his subjects. And like David, Jesus will battle Against pretenders to the throne, but he will not force his reign on mankind yet. There's always a yet because there will come a time when Jesus will come and he will take control. He will take his throne over the earth. Amen. Right. And that's a whole other book of the Bible that we're not going to get into right now because um, it'll blow some of our minds about what's going to happen um, when Jesus returns. Um, Joab, the son of Zeruiah, Joab was was one of four hundred men who joined David during this period. And um, Abner said to Joab, and this is because of a really fascinating um, way they decided to go. You know, he had two opposing armies, and. Um, uh, Abner and Joab—they were each tough. They were each military men who who were completely devoted to their respective causes. And and Abner suggests that some kind of contest takes place between a select group of men. When two groups of twelve men, men met, it quickly degenerated into a bloodbath. Verse sixteen says, "Each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side, so they fell down together." Yet David's men. Under the command of Joab, prevailed in this very fierce battle that followed um, at what they call the field of sharp swords. The sons of Jeruai, it talks about in verse 18. Zerui was David's sister. Okay. We read about her um, in 1 Chronicles 2:16. So and and um her sons were Joab, Abishai, and Asahel, right? So these were David's nephews. And since David was the youngest of of eight sons you know these three men may have been the same age as David or they may even have been older than David right but these three men were David's nephews okay just want to give you guys some context of who these these people are you know because we're going to be reading about these three individuals and they're not they're not just random people okay they're not just random guys who came to help David these were family right these are his 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 kinfolk you know what i'm talking about so it says asahel pursued abner it says he was quick like a gazelle he ran fast and he moved fast and he pursued abner and so in the in the confusion of battle he gets close to abner um and it came down to a simple chase if 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 asahel caught abner he was going to kill him so abner you know, probably seeing how quick this guy is coming against him, you know, he says in verse 21, lay hold of one of the young men and take his armor for himself, right? You know, in other words, like, hey, you know, you're trying to come after me. And um, Asahel, as he pursued him, he probably wants some of the glory of killing him. Um, and he may have also wanted to take his armor as, as a trophy. So Abner's like, hey, there's plenty of fallen folk all over the place. Why don't you just stop and take one of their armors, you know? And, and he's says, like, no, I'm coming after you. He says, verse 22 Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother, Joab? All right. Abner first asked Asahel to turn back out of concern for his own safety. And but this didn't make much sense to Asahel because it seemed that Abner was at a disadvantage. Abner also appealed to Asahel on the ground of military honor, you know, that officers should not strike down other officers because, you know, Especially when it might lead to um, ugly retribution and, and, and the danger of leaderless armies. But it says yeah, that, that Asahel refused to turn aside. Abner's plan didn't work to try to get Asahel to get off his back, you know. Uh, and and Asahel was too single minded and his determination to kill Abner and crush the opposing armies of Daniel. Asahel was so focused, so focused on pursuing um, Abner. And it says in verse 23, Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach, and he fell down there and died in the spot. Clearly, Abner uh, killed Asahel out of out of in, in self defense. You know, he killed him in 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 self defense, and um, it was the only thing he could do was defend himself. You know, yet his concern, he said, "How could I face your brother Joab?" In verse twenty two. Was justified, and Joab will make it his now his passion to pursue Abner and avenge his brother's death. So then, in verse 24, it says, Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner. Now, more than just the cause of David motivated them, they wanted to avenge the killing of their brother. Verse 26 Shall the sword devour? forever. When his armies were in full retreat and ready for a final stand, and when two angry brothers wanted blood revenge, Abner found it easy to make the plea for peace. And it was certainly to his advantage to to give peace a chance. Like, that's just, come on guys, let's let's time out, you know, let's let's stop this war. Joab blew a trumpet and all the people stood still. Joab agreed to a, a ceasefire. Probably to, to both rest his exhausted army and, and to avoid a long and bloody civil war. Verse 30 says, There were missing of David's servants 19 men in Asahel. Verse 17 tells us that Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of, of David. But this passage shows just how badly they were beaten. Abner and, and the army of Ishbosheth lost 360 men. Wow. David and his men—they lost only twenty. That's, that's that's a it's a huge difference in loss. Okay, so the so they're they're calling for for a temporary peace right here, but but real briefly before I close, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go into ver, uh, chapter three verse one. Okay, I'm not gonna get all up into Pastor Harry's portion for tomorrow, right? But verse one, he says, now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And this shows how wrong it was for Joab to accept Abner's appeal for a ceasefire. The fact was that these two peoples, these two armies, just could not get along. And there could be no peace between the rightful King David and the pretender to the throne, Ishbosheth. There would never be peace between them. The ceasefire seemed to make it a little bit better, but in reality only made it worse, and it led to a very long war. When we try to make peace between King Jesus and the King of Self, or the Queen of Self, within us, the result is a long bitter, oftentimes bloody war. It's so much better to just simply surrender and submit to Jesus. So much better just to submit. In the, in the lives of, of many Christian people today, there's a raging, uh, a, literally a civil war within us. Am I following Christ or am I following myself? The flesh, let's call it the kingdom of Saul the flesh, struggles with the spirit. Let's call that the kingdom of David. And when the flesh and the spirit, when Saul and David are at each other, the conflict can be very, very bitter. We do everything we possibly can to hold up the kingdom of self so that it might exist just a little bit longer. If only we could just preserve some of our own rights, if only we could just have at least part of our own way, just a little bit of myself, a little bit of what I want. If only we could keep this or we can keep that at any cost, we feel we must we must bolster up this kingdom of self so that we can't let ourselves be crucified with Christ. But is a futile battle brothers and sisters a battle we will always lose because it says David grew stronger and stronger we will never be stronger than the kingdom of God we will never be stronger than Jesus right because surprise he created us so we're never gonna we're never gonna uh outlast our own Creator the creation is never greater than the Creator. But too often, we, us, the creation, think that we know better and we can do better, we're wiser, right? And it's always a battle we will lose. The increasing strength of David and and, and the the weakness of Saul's house did not begin when Saul died. That began when when God first chose David and withdrew his spirit from Saul. If we are in constant battle with God, we're in constant battle with the Holy Spirit. We are in a. We're going to lose. We're going to lose, and the more we fight, the harder and harder it is to hear from Him, because we're not really trying to listen for Him. We're not really trying to listen to His voice. We're trying to listen to ourselves. Do not be like the house of Saul, fighting against God. And the enemy speaks to us and gives us and, and lies to us and tells us that we can win. He's been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. Telling people that you got this. The lie he told to Eve, like, you know, God knows that if you take of the fruit, you will be like God. And so we we sit here and we think like, I can I can, I can be like God. And it's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Do not fall for it. So my brothers and sisters, let's be like David. Let's be like men and women after God's own heart. Let's be like men and women like David who who just are we're okay with patiently waiting for God to move. We're, we're okay with being patient and to see where that the blessing is coming. It's going to come. It, all his promises are yes and amen. If God said it, it's going to happen. We don't have to question it. We don't have to, quote unquote, help God to make things happen. He will move when he's ready to move. And your patience, your patience on God, your waiting on God, goes a whole lot further to show um, where you are in your walk with him than it it is to appear to know what you're doing. It, It appears like, you know, I got this going on. No, that's a lie rely on God. He's the one we need to keep our focus on. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. I pray that uh, for each of my brothers and sisters on this this Zoom call right now, Father, everyone listening on the podcast later on, Jesus, that you would just speak to them, Father. I pray that that, uh, they would conform their will to yours, Lord. That they won't look to try to solve things for themselves or make decisions for themselves, Father. But know that they would be continually pursuing you, Lord, and your will for their lives. So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for every family that's represented on here. And just continue to bless us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters. Love you all. And I will see you again next week.